0: Well, let's welcome you back to Systematically Wild. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Lukowat out here. And Kevin and I are returning for Season 3 to talk about stuff going on throughout the Minnesota Wild organization, from the NHL down to the Heartlanders here in the ECHL. Um, two of the teams have started out, the Minnesota Wild and Iowa Wild, this last weekend, Kevin. And a split decision for the big club, Iowa Wild took a tough series against Henderson at home to begin the season. So. Uh, Not a surprise by that. We're going to start with just kind of talking generally here for a moment, Kevin. I don't think we saw any result this weekend that we're stunned by.
1: No, I don't think so. I think everything
0: played out out just as I had expected. The Iowa Heartlanders did not begin yet. But, Kevin, let's, let's just talk about this club a little bit before diving into the AHL and NHL clubs. And last season, I think our biggest criticism was the lack of support from um, either the NHL or AHL clubs to to help out. That does not look like that is going to be the case. Already Hunter Jones sent down uh, from the Iowa Wild to uh, the Iowa Heartlanders. And they have two other AHL guys, a couple of NHL prospects that are going to start the season with the team. It looks like the Heartlanders are going to get some help early on.
1: They could, but you know, not to throw a wet towel on that. We've seen how quick that can go away as injuries start piling up with um, any of the other two teams in your system.
0: You're you're definitely right, Kevin. That there can be some pretty quick changes. and, you know, injuries can happen or a guy starts off to a, you know, a bad, doesn't get off to a particularly great start and they, they call back up uh, to the club or something. But, and I have seen that a lot in the ACHL over the last seven, eight years. But it, it, to me, it, if nothing else, Kevin, it seems like it's giving the impression to the Heartlanders that they're, they're not off on an island. They're not the forgotten team anymore. Um, I, I, I I at least feel like the wild sent a message to them that you guys matter and we want to help you and, and ensure that you can be successful. I, am I being a little overly optimistic with that?
1: Well, what I think we saw too is that we saw a lot of players in the wild system turn pro this year and it just it gave Iowa, As in the Iowa Wild, a pretty deep roster where they were able to send some guys off to the Heartlanders in order to get more ice time. So that might be why we're seeing um, more guys on the Heartlanders at our Minnesota property.
0: Well, let's jump into the wild, uh, the Iowa Wild, that is, Kevin, who began the season with uh, a pair of games in Henderson against Henderson. You got to watch both these games Friday and Saturday. The team comes away 0-2. Um, but as you mentioned to me, uh, talking on Sunday, that it's a very good Henderson club, and it's not surprising that Iowa got off it to a tough start.
1: No, it's not. If you read my game story, too, that I thought the – you know, Friday night was a pretty even battle, but Henderson was just um, a little bit better. But it seemed like Saturday night, Henderson didn't get a lot of shots on goal, but the ones it got were a lot of them were right in that danger zone. It just seemed like there was a lot, two tip-ins, a lot of two-on-ones deep in the zone, where I think I think they exploited the the Wilds. Inexperience on the blue line,
0: and that was the difference in the game. Well, Kevin, if there's any concern that you do have, and again, not to take anything away from Henderson, um, but two power play goals they give up on Friday night, give up another power play goal on Saturday, and I know that a lot of times is a lack of a strong defensive group, especially an inexperienced group, as you want to watch the special teams for the Wild, was there anything you were noticing from this weekend that was concerned for you?
1: I just don't. I just didn't think they could match with physicality in the in the corners and in the front of the net. And right now with Dakota Mirmus up with the big club too, that also is a blow for the Iowa blue line. So I just think it's a D zone coverage and. You know, there's something they know they're going to deal with with a uh, young blue line core that obviously will only get better as the season goes on, but, you know, they're going to have their growing pains early.
0: Well, let's talk about Friday night first. Uh, Sheldon Rempel gets Henderson on the board 1204 into the contest with a power play goal. Iowa does respond when Jake Lucchini, am I, I hope I'm saying that right, um, yep. ties the game with a Did I say that right, by the way, Kevin? Yes. Okay, good. Good for me. All right, with under three minutes left in the third period ties the game, uh, the Silver Knights wind up retaking the lead on another power play goal, 134 in the second. Adam Cracknell then uh, gets his first goal of the night uh, at 753 in the third to extend the lead to two. Adam Beckman does draw Iowa back within a goal with a little under four minutes left in the contest, but Cracknell comes up with a second goal of the game, an empty net tally to seal the victory. Jesper for Kevin in the game winds up finishing with 19 saves, was not tested very much in this game in terms of shots. uh, He did have a lot of point-blank shots against him, as you were mentioning. So that 19 saves is a little deceiving because there were a lot of great opportunities for the Silver Knights, and he came up big on most of those chances.
1: He did. I think there was one that he, uh, I think he wished he could have back, but for the most part, he was you know, they, they had to earn it on him.
0: <laughs> on Saturday though, Kevin... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, okay. On Saturday it was an entirely different story. Uh, the Silver Knights dominate this game from the very start, scoring three goals within the first 420 of the contest. Cracknell with his uh, third goal of the season, the second goal of the night, Byron Froze or Frosty, that might be, um, get froze. the scoring going, just froze. okay, I, w- I should have stayed with that. 39 seconds into the contest, that really seemed to take the crowd out of the game, they were having a very difficult time trying to get back into this contest for a while, as Cracknell scores at 214, and Brendan Brisson winds up scoring at 420 to make it 3 nothing. uh, I As mean, you were watching that there, Kevin, was it just McIntyre really not on top of his game, or was it just that they were just not, you know, doing very much to help in there early on?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it was a lack of help. I know there's, you know, you go on social and you read fans' comments afterwards, and, boy, you'd think that, that Zane McIntyre was the worst goal he ever created. But I just don't think that... The defense gave him much of a chance to see a couple of those goals. You know, one's on like a two-on-one 2, two on one in front, right in front of the net.
0: You know, and then there's
1: a tip-in where I don't think he could even see the puck when it got tipped. So I don't think there's any trouble with um, Zane McIntyre. It was just um, one of those nights
0: to the credit of the Wild, they do not give up in this game. Kevin, uh, they cut the deficit to two at 9:12 in the third. Then Simon Johansson comes up with a good goal 3-11 into the second. Looks like the Wild were going to get back in this game. And watching the crowd, too, they looked like they were like, okay, our our team had a little bit of a bad start here. We, we withstood the wave, and now we're getting back into this contest. And uh, a good crowd on night, uh, you were commenting about the fact of Despite it being college football day, they still drew quite well for that contest, and they were into the game. Yeah, a little over
1: five thousand on a Saturday night when you know the Iowa football game had not even wrapped up by the time the puck dropped a little bit after six o'clock. So, not a bad turnout. But and you know, and I saw signs too. You know, you got to give Iowa credit. They did not just fold. They did try to get back in the game, but I thought the thing that harmed them throughout the weekend set was um,
0: they just could not get anything going on the power play. Well, uh, the Silver Knights were not having any issue with that at all, Kevin. Iowa does pull within a goal, 3-11 in the second, as I mentioned, but a little over two minutes later, Tyler Benson scores on the power play to extend the lead for the Silver Knights back to two. Rempel then adds a goal. Seven minutes later, his second of the series. Then they add one additional goal with a little right at the two minutes with two minutes left in the uh, second period to make it a seven to two game, six to two game. I'm sorry at that point. Um, Rhino Work scores with 28 seconds left in the period to cut the deficit back to just three, but Sheldon Rempel comes up with an empty net goal at two uh, with 250 left in the contest. His second goal of the game and third of the weekend to close out the scoring. seven uh, three is the final in that contest. As you mentioned, Kevin, Iowa 0 for 4 on the power play on on Saturday. On Friday, they were 0 for 2, so 0 for 6 to start out this weekend. Now let, let's kind of qualify that for a moment, Kevin, because Henderson, fantastic organization um, in, in terms of NHL affiliate, AHL, talent level very good. A, a good talented team also a very physical team so it's not surprising to see Henderson a team that could easily compete for the championship in the AHL get off to a hot start
1: no it's not you know that's a team that's that has been a tough draw for Iowa ever since the silver knights have been in the league and you know in hindsight this might not have been a bad time to play henderson because i just think that maybe it, toughens um, the Iowa Wild up for their um, next week of play when they get more into divisional battles.
0: And let's talk about those divisional battles, Kevin, because they will head to the road this weekend, Friday and Saturday night in Manitoba, always very physical, heated games. Uh, Manitoba Moose and Iowa clearly teams that don't like each other. Pretty evenly matched, even when the record is not necessarily so. These teams always figure out a way to have close contests. So, this could be the chance for the Wild to get you know, kind of get rolling for themselves if they can get off to a quick start against Manitoba on Friday.
1: Yeah, both clubs are very young, you know, and we going into the season, we knew that uh, Iowa was going to be counting down a lot of younger players. So, I think this will be. Be a good roll test to see what we're gonna get. All these young guys, especially on the blue line.
0: I know it's just two games into the season, Kevin. But your initial thoughts on new head coach Brent McLean?
1: Yeah, it was not you know not really much to be able to garner from the two games. I thought that. You know, when it got to be 3-0 on Saturday night, he did call a timeout, and it seemed like the team did react after that. But I think the marching orders from above are good, to McLean are going to be to let the young guys play and develop and hopefully become regular NHLers. So where I thought more so with, um, with Tim Army, I thought we saw a little more of a veteran presence and a – and a team that was built more towards um trying to win a division.
0: Well, if there's any major consolation out of this weekend, if that nobody really in the in the the central division got off to a fast start. Grand, Grand Rapids did go two and zero, but this is a team that had a very disappointing year last year, so we don't know what two and zero will look like a month from now. Um, everybody else was either. either Came away 500, Milwaukee was the only team that came away with a 1-0 record from the weekend. So nobody looked like got off to a super incredible start here. So I I think that there's no reason to be jumping up and down. The one stat that did kind of jump out to me, Kevin, looking at this weekend, is Rockford had nine total goals they scored in their two games and gave up nine. So uh, an indication we might see a little more wide-open style for the ice this year.
1: Uh, Very possibly. I know that um, Arvid Soderbloom has become a regular with Chicago, so they're relying a lot on Jackson Stauber right now, who's relatively unproven at the AHL level. So, you know, there could be some growing pains there with the Ice Hogs.
0: Well, let's jump up to the big club. So the Minnesota Wild come out of the weekend, Kevin, one and one. 2-0 victory against Florida, start the season, then go to Toronto where they take a little bit of it on the chin there in a 7-4 loss. But um, all in all, 1-1, one and, one, and, and uh, it's still a pretty decent start for this team. And, and uh, So your initial overall thoughts about what you saw in that first couple of games for the club?
1: Well, I don't think we've seen a complete um, good 60-minute effort out of this team yet. I thought on opening night it was the Philip Gustafson show, and if Gustafson is anything less than brilliant, they don't win that game. And then on Saturday, I obviously covering the Iowa game, I didn't see it, but it sounds like it was a, a lot of um, mistakes on in their own end, and mostly by the defensemen that left Gustafson kind of high and dry. You just can't, can't do that against a team like Toronto that's just got so many weapons.
0: Well, let's start, first of all, talk about uh, the 2 nothing victory. Um, so they open up the season. As you mentioned, Kevin uh, Gustafson, with 41 saves in that contest, just a spectacular performance by him. He gets all the scoring he needs when uh, Brock Favors scores. Oh, let me close back here. Uh, in, the, in the first period, 7:54 into the contest for his first goal of the season, Matt Boldy, former Iowa Wild guy, and Joel Eriksson-Eck with the assist on the play. Erickson Eck had his first goal of the season, 12:56 into the second period. A two-point night for Erickson Eck, a guy who had a bit of a disappointing season last year, Kevin, in terms of what we saw two years ago. Um, So good that he got off to a bit of a fast start.
1: I wouldn't say that. I thought that Erickson Eck had a pretty decent season. Just unfortunately, it was cut short by a broken leg. Suffered a few weeks before the Conclusion of the season, but I think he's become a very, very solid NHL player, and it's, it was a nice goal on his part. I believe he took a pass and like and knocked it out of the air and then batted it in. So it was just, and you know, did it from did it in tight right in front of the Panthers net minor Sergei Bobrovsky. So yeah, you know, Bobrovsky is usually a guy so Minnesota historically has had trouble with. So to get two on him, that was that was a victory within the victory.
0: The celebration did not last long as they go to Toronto on uh, on Saturday, wind up giving up three goals in the first period. Uh, do battle back to to get a couple of goals in the second to make this a four to three game. But Toronto puts this contest away with three more in the third to wind up coming away with a seven four victory. They do get goals from Ryan Hartman. And that's really the person I think I was thinking about the disappointing seasons last year. So I, I stand a little bit corrected there. Um, uh, did have a goal. Matt Boldy had a goal in that game. Marco Rossi, another former Iowa Wild player, with a goal in that contest as well. And uh, Brendan Duhame, another former Iowa Wild player with, with a goal. Connor Dewar had an assist. So a lot of Iowa Wild guys got on the scoreboard, but uh, that doesn't really matter when you wind up losing, I guess.
1: No, it doesn't. It's good to see Marco Rossi get his first NHL goal in the game on Saturday night. But I'm sure he would have gladly have traded it in for a victory. But it is. You hope it's. You hope by again the first one that's just going to be a start of things to come with Rossi. And yes, folks, it is back to Rossi now. It was Rossi last year, but now we've been told it's back to Rossi. So. There's the ever-evolving pronunciation. Um, uh, the, you know, the bad thing to come out of that game, though, was an injury to Matt Boldy. That is going to put him out for a couple of weeks. And with the Wild's current salary cap crunch, I, it sounds like they may have to play a game with short-handed by a forward because money-wise, they don't have enough... Salary cap money to bring up another player.
0: Wow, early on, that's uh, that's that's definitely something you don't want out of your club. I, coming back to Rossi there for a minute, Kevin. You know he had a brief stint up with the team last year, and it it looked like Minnesota was a little disappointed in what they saw out of him in, in the short stint that he had. He went back down to Des Moines and was spectacular. Over the last like six weeks of the season, I think that he was back with the club and was really seemed to connect with his line mates there and was having, especially Nick Bittan, and was having quite a season at that point. And you talked about the fact that the, the the organization looked like they wanted to do everything they could to give this guy a chance to prove that he deserved to be in Minnesota. And that goal early on in the season has got to be huge for his confidence and huge for the confidence of the organization in him.
1: Not to mention, he, he scored one on opening night, but it was taken away by an offsides call. You know, the talk up here was that Rossi stayed in Minnesota during the summer and worked on improved. I think they said he changed his skating stride. He may have gained some speed in doing so, and he also um, put on some weight in Minnesota not weight like you and I do where we have too much fast food and it goes right to the gut, but um, weight as in um, muscle. So a little more built this year. So, you know, so an improved skating stride, a little bit of upper body strength, and now hopefully
0: he's got some confidence to go along with it. Yeah, absolutely. So he had just one assist in 19 games for the club last season, already a goal, and he said, Kevin, he could have had two. Uh, one wasn't taken away from him um, on on opening night there. So uh, fantastic that Marco off to a fast start there, a guy that we like watching play. So I'm pretty excited to see how well he's doing for the team here. Can he carry that forward though, Kevin? I guess is the big thing out there, but you know, sometimes that once you get that first goal off your, you know, that monkey off your back, you're really able to just stride into your game at that point and, and, and able to get rolling here. So, with Boldy out, it's going to give the youngster, I think, he maybe even a little additional playing time, potentially.
1: Well, what it sounds like, if they're going to have to go with 11 forwards and 6 or 7-D, that Kirill Kaprizov may be double-shifting because they believe that, you know, Kaprizov has said that he is perennially a slow starter. And, yes, he has assists in the first two games, but just... Haven't quite seemed to be himself, so maybe by double shifting Caprice off that will maybe jumpstart the Russian superstar.
0: Talk to us a little bit, Kevin, about Gustafson getting the start in each of the first two games. Indicator of an injury to Mark Andre Fleury, or they're just this is going to be the number one goalie this year?
1: No, not at all. I I think that was the, the plan going in was, to, you know, it was funny because I was listening on the way to the game and if Fleury would have started on opening night, it would have tied him, I believe, for the most opening night starts for going in NHL history or he would have been on somewhere on the leaderboard there. But I just feel like this was just a way of rewarding Guestison for what he did last year for the team and then like the two road games they're playing in Montreal tomorrow and if this is Mark Andre Fleury's last year, this could be the last chance on Tuesday night for Fleury to play in some home area of Montreal. So, obviously, they wanted to split the two road games between with Toronto, and Montreal. So, logic dictated that to give Fleury the chance to play in front of the family on Tuesday night.
0: Well, let's talk about this week then for them, Kevin. They head to Montreal on Tuesday night uh, to face the Canadians, then come home for a couple of contests, facing on Los Angeles and Columbus to close out the week. That's Thursday with the Kings coming to town, and then Saturday with Columbus and the Blue Jackets uh, taking on the Wild. They do have a three-game homestand right now with Edmonton being next week, Tuesday, but we will be back on the air before that game is played. So, uh, three winnable games. Uh, Columbus and Montreal have not had particularly good seasons the last couple of years. Los Angeles really rose up and bat- was battling for that number two spot, even for the number one spot in their division last year. Finally settling in and, and not missing, not grabbing that that top spot, but it was I, I think exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Are you looking for Los Angeles to be as good as that this year? Do Montreal and Columbus take a step forward? What, what are your thoughts about these three teams coming into the week? I
1: think with Los Angeles, I thought they took a bit of a chance in making the trade with Winnipeg to pick up here, Luke Dubois, and they're pinning their goaltending hopes on Cam Talbot, which, as we know, as Wild fans said, uh, he could be very solid or he could be very shaky. And thus far in the two games he's played, he has been pretty shaky. So I think you're going to see, uh, depending on how they do Tuesday night in Winnipeg, you could be seeing a desperate Kings team coming in town on Thursday night. I skipped over Tuesday night with Montreal, Montreal, I believe they're off to a decent start. Um, I think they picked up a win on Saturday night. Young team, you know, Minnesota has had success against them. So I'd say it's a winnable game on Tuesday. Then you go to Saturday night, and Adam Fantilli will be back in Minnesota playing his first game as a professional. We saw him in the Twin Cities the last two years as a Michigan Wolverine. Playing against the U of M Gophers, so be interested to see what Fantilli can do at the NHL level.
0: Let me let me come back to Los Angeles with you for a minute, Kevin, because 104 points last season, and a, 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 you you talked about this as kind of a mirage, but but Phoenix Copley put up some pretty um, impressive numbers in terms of victories. The the, the the goals against average and the save percentage weren't great, but he was just finding a way to win games for them. And uh, so what was he, 24 and 6 and 3. I mean, that, that's a pretty impressive mark. Uh, and 2.64 goals against average is pretty good. But he, he got he got beat up a little bit in his opening outing of the season. Is that more what you expect out of him and what you thought he would really be like or or Is last year's 2.66 more in line with what you're thinking for him?
1: If I were to predict, I'd say that last year was an aberration of just a goalie that got hot all of a sudden. You know, he's been a career minor leaguer until then for a reason. So, but we'll see. You know, maybe it's just one start that he struggled in. Maybe he bounces back. We've seen with goalies where, some struggle early on, and then it just takes a while for them to get on their game. So, but I just don't see a combo of Cam Talbot and Phoenix Copley getting you know, too far into the playoffs,
0: no matter how talented you are up front. Yeah, I, I I couldn't. It's Talbot part that you always try to shake your head and 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 go, man, that's a that's a, and he probably got a pretty sizable amount of money. To Simon Los Angeles, this is a veteran contract, even if he didn't get millions of dollars or whatever, he probably they probably had to pay him a pretty decent salary to come to LA. And and I mean, no offense, but I don't see him as an upgrade over like Jonathan Quicker or anything like that. so i I d I g I've I'm a little stunned by that move, Kevin. I don't really understand why you brought in a guy like Talbot other than to have a veteran goalie.
1: Well we'd have to check in with his wife. If you Wild fans can remember his wife was pretty opinionated when Talbot was not playing in the playoffs a couple of years ago and instead of um, Marc-Andre Fleury, so you know, God bless her, I know she's supporting her man, but sometimes I think you, I think you, you sometimes it's best just to stay in, in the background a bit, but people can remember how she was very vociferous about her husband's playing time, so just uh, so heads up to you Canadian fans, or I mean your you Kings fans out there that if things aren't going well. Then Mrs. Talbot,
0: me chime in. I want to point out that this is the only podcast show about and hockey where somebody would use vociferous. I just for fans out there, they should greatly appreciate the incredible uh, linguistic talent we have here. So. Definitely went at it. That was pretty that was a pretty big word out there, Kevin. I'm 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 impressed by that. That would that would have blown me away. So fantastic. Um uh, Kevin, let's talk about Columbus for a minute. El Elvis out there is in the building and looking pretty decent for the blue jacket. Um early on here. So he's a guy, I you know, to be honest with you, I I I thought the numbers were worse than what he really can do. Uh so I, I'm not expecting 1.84, but I wouldn't be surprised if this guy had a fairly good season for Columbus.
1: I think they're going to need a. I thought goaltending for them was a problem last year, and the even uh, even after the – it was made even worse after Jonas Korpisala was dealt to the Kings at the trade deadline. So, you know, it's wide open with them right now for somebody to – jump in and take that number one goalie spot right for the taking.
0: I do want to say out there for if there's anybody at the NHL office who may come across this podcast that not a fan of the website that they did at the NHL.com. The changes were completely unnecessary and did not make this website better. I just want to state that for the record right now. So Terrible. Should have gone. Go back to the old one from last year. That was much better. All right, it that's my, my man. All right. Wow, I like it, man. See, that's why you're Doctor Kevin Lucco. Just gonna point that out right now. But fantastic. Well, Kevin, how about uh, we've had some great stories from you over the last couple of years, but what, what? How about a how about a good opening night story for us, uh, Minnesota Wild? Wise. I would. Harking
1: back, and it was funny because I was just wearing a a sweatshirt that I got from the game. Um, The very first opening night against Philadelphia back in October of 2000, and it was just you you go into it with a sense of unknown. You don't know how this team's going to compete, how the in-game presentation's going to be. What's it going to be like being at a game at Energy Center? There's just so many things you didn't know. And then going into it, at one point the Wild actually had the lead 3-2, to two, but Philadelphia did get the tying goal, and, you know, as the NHL was back then, the game ended in a 3-3 three, three tie. But I can just remember leaving the arena, it just – you felt like it was a victory because one, you got the NHL back in town and two, your team was competitive, actually getting a point in their second game ever against, I think it was a pretty decent Philadelphia Flyers team at the time, but that's one of my opening night memories.
0: Fantastic one. I like that one a lot there. So fans, I want to thank you for joining us. Once again, Kevin and I will be back, uh, each Monday night recording the show and posting on Tuesday throughout the season for you to come in and find out what's going on throughout the organization. And um, we'll be keeping track of each of the levels of the teams out there. So for the very eloquent and loquacious Kevin Loco, I'm Rob Bernier. We'll see you next time on systematically wild.